You're listening to Gruesome and Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Gruesome and Unnatural. I'm Shelly. And I'm Eric, and this is episode 66. Yes, hello, my gruesome addicts. What up? Thanks for for joining us for another episode, and let's do it. Also, happy New Year's. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. Yeah. So I actually did this one when it was like more towards Christmas, so it's going to be like a Christmassy episode more. Mm, They're together. but, But yes, yeah, happy, happy New Year. Anyways. Enough of that. Let's get into it. Are you ready? No. Always you are. Always. Ronald Gene Simmons, not Gene Simmons, but Ronald Gene Simmons, was born July 15th, 1940 to Loretta and William Simmons in Chicago, Illinois. Unfortunately, William, Ronald's father, passed away from a stroke on January 31st, 1943, about six months before Ronald was going to turn three years old. Within a year of William's passing, Loretta... Ronald's mother. She remarried another man, William D. Griffin. William, now Ronald's stepfather, was a civil engineer for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Three years later, in 1946, the U.S. Army relocated William to Little Rock, Arkansas. So the three of them packed up and moved. Although this would be the first of many moves as they would pack up again and again, moving across central Arkansas for over the next 10 years. By the time Ronald was in high school, 17 years old to be exact, Ronald was just kind of like over high school. He was done, done with it. So he decided he wanted to drop out and he joined the U.S. Navy. Ronald was stationed at Naval Station Bremerton in Washington. And this is where he met Bersabe Rebecca Ulibari, who went by Becky. So I'm just going to refer to her as Becky. Three years later, on July 9th, 1960, the couple got married in New Mexico. Ronald and Becky went on to have seven children over the next 18 Damn. years. They were busy. Busy, busy. First, spend it like Becky. Oh my god! <laughs> so first, they had a son named Ronald Gene Simmons Jr., who went by Gene Jr. Next was their daughter Sheila. Then another son, William Simmons II, but he went by Billy. Next was Loretta. Then Eddie. Then Marianne. And lastly, Rebecca, who went by Becky, like her mother. But going back to 1963, in the midst of having all of these children. Ronald ended up leaving the Navy and about two years later joined the U.S. Air Force. Oh, wow. Yeah. By November 30th, 1979, Ronald acquired the rank of Master Sergeant. At this point, Ronald had been in the military for 20 years, and he had been awarded a Bronze Star Medal, the Republic of Vietnam Gallantry Cross for service as an airman, and the Air Force Ribbon for Excellent Marksmanship. So that's a lot. He did a lot in those years. Ronald decided... It was just time to retire at this point, right? So this is when shit gets a little weird. Very unnatural, if you must. A little gruesome? It gets there, but not this part. April 3rd, 1981, less than two years after retiring, Ronald was being investigated by the Cloudcroft New Mexico Department of Human Services for allegations that he was, in fact, the father of his 17-year-old daughter, Sheila's daughter, and her name was Sylvia. After she had told a school counselor. Ew. So he impregnated his own daughter. Right. 
disgusting. So this, of course, like scared Ronald, right? Because he could potentially get like arrested for all this. So he packed up the family, leaving New Mexico where they had been living and moved to Ward, Arkansas in Lenoke County. Ronald did admit to his wife that it was true. And like that, that was his child. But he demanded that they raise the baby as their own, and she like agreed to it. What a <laughs> fucking sick bitch! Right? Like how I would have been like, Ugh. "You're disgusting. What the? I'm taking my child, all my children. Sorry, like away from you, you sick fuck, and I'm turning you in." <laughs> like that is so weird to me. So, um, I also read that Ronald was well known in Cloudcroft and was like someone a lot of people were like afraid of. Like he was that kind of guy. One of his daughter's friends said that he was like always had a beer in his hand and he was like always staying in this like little room that they had like all the time. She said it was like always dark and it seemed spooky and it like just smelled like shit. In there. <laughs> and because uh, which makes sense because he was a very, very private man and like demanding with his children. He was just kind of a disgusting dude. So once you'll see a picture of him too, you'll see. <laughs> Two years later in the summer of 1983, he moved the family again to Pope County near Dover, Arkansas. But this would be their last move. So, like, like I've been saying, there's a lot of children, right, in this whole thing. So, it might be confusing. So, try to stay with me. If you get confused, ask me. Okay. But, because there's a lot of people involved. So, at this time, Ronald's oldest, Gene Jr., he's 26 years old. He'd already moved out. He's living with his girlfriend, Wilma, and their three-year-old daughter, Barbara Simmons. Although... It's a little confusing because like Gene Jr. and Wilma were having some issues. So Barbara was kind of staying with Becky and, and his dad, Ronald. Like they would obviously see Barbara, but like he was kind of staying over there while they kind of fixed their issues out and stuff. So uh, and the next one was Sheila. She's 24 years old at this point, And she, again, you know, she's already moved out, but lived somewhat nearby. She was married to Dennis McNulty, who was 33 years old. And together they had one child, Michael McNulty, who was 21 months old. But remember, she also has Sylvia, her dad's kid, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and she's seven years old now. So then there's Billy Simmons, 22 years old. He was also moved out and married to Renata, who was 21 years old. And together they had 20-month-old William Simmons III, who they called Trey. Then there's Loretta, who is 17 years old now, um, still living at home. She's the oldest kid. I mean, sorry, the oldest one that's living still at home. Like I said, she's 17. And the next one's Eddie. He's 14, still living at home. Marianne, 11. And Becky, 8, all still living at home. Obviously, they're very young. So five of the seven children are still living in that home that they just moved to. So they were living on a 13-acre tract of land that was, like, remote and, like, in a wooded area. It was, like, full of just junk and cars that were, like, on blocks. Like, it was just a mess of a yard. They didn't like keep it nice or anything. So their new home was located at 250 Broomsfield Road, consisting of two mobile homes that were kind of just like pushed together. They had no phone or indoor plumbing, and it was surrounded by like this really shitty makeshift fence. So just picture all that. I'm picturing hillbillies. Yeah. Interbreeding with their family. (laughs) Yeah. So since there was no plumbing, he made his children dig three cesspits where they could all like go to the bathroom, like use the bathroom and stuff like that. Yeah. So like I said, Ronald was like a very controlling man and he just like, I don't know, he just wanted to make his kids do all the shit, right? So by the way, they dubbed their land the Mockingbird Hill. I don't know why they did it. But like I said, Ronald, like, like I said, he was controlling and he just like 
he didn't really like having like the kids friends over and like when they did or when people came over, they had to like tiptoe around him, you know, make sure they were quiet and didn't like disturb him, or piss him off. Guests felt like they were not like wanted when they were there. Becky's like main job was to keep the children quiet when he was around. So just, you know, that kind of guy. <laughs> Nobody wants to be around this guy. Um, they weren't allowed to have friends stay the night. They weren't allowed to attend school functions, like all that kind of stuff. So the kids... That all the children never miss school and they always exceed in school a fear of what their father might do. So when he wasn't around, they could all act normal. So it was kind of a relief for them. They're like, hell yeah, dad's not here. <laughs> Be normal. Ronald at this time was working many low paying jobs around the town of Russellville, Arkansas. Ronald even worked as an accountant's receivable clerk at Woodline Motor Freight, but ended up quitting after several reports of inappropriate sexual advances. Disgusting fuck. <laughs> so after... Ronald worked for Sinclair Mini Mart for a year and a half. He quit on December 18th, 1987. Becky, on several occasions at this point, had tried to leave him, but she was having trouble doing so because she wasn't allowed outside of the house unless she was doing laundry. So she was like, how the fuck am I getting out of this situation, right? Ronald was abusive towards Becky. She would have bruises on her face and arms a lot, but she never reported anything. Like I said, she didn't have a phone. They never sent or received mail. She didn't know how to drive, although she was secretly saving like as much money as she could and, she, you know, in order for her to leave and potentially get a divorce from him. Her firstborn kid, Jean Jr., had actually set up a secret P.O. box so she was able to communicate with her children more, <laughs> which is wow. like, so sad. Huh? I just... I don't know how Man, he, said he just that. cuts off all, yeah, he's all just, the siblings, all the kids to his wife. That's yeah, fucked up. Yeah. Exactly. You're just a demanding, controlling piece of shit. <laughs> so this is one of the letters she wrote to her son, Billy, daughter-in-law, Renetta, and grandson, Trey. Dear Bill, Renata, and Trey, Loretta may be staying in town Friday night, so I'll have her mail this. I've been thinking of all of you, Bill, and I know you are right. I don't want to live the rest of my life with dad, but I'm still trying to figure out how to start. What if I couldn't find a job for some time? You have to remember I've never had a job since I've been married, or before that either. I know I have to start somewhere. It would all be so much easier if it was just me. But I have three kids also by then. So if you want to do any checking by telephone, go ahead and check. And we can talk about it when you come. I've decided if I borrow from mom that I would have her send it to you. I'm still all very confused. But like I said, I know I don't want to stay with dad. But don't want him getting more than he deserves. Yet sometimes I feel God is telling me to be more patient. Right now, I'll just say... Do some checking, and then it will help me make my decision. I would like for Loretta to move with you after she turns 18. She wants to go to college, and she can get a job, too. I don't think San Antonio, San, I don't think San, San Antonio, San Antonio, I don't think San Antonio is the best place for her. L. Jean and Wilma are back together, but they want to try it out and try to come get Barbara. I'm sure enjoying Barbara, she is a sweet, lovable, polite little girl. She is a good girl. And we all love her, enjoy her so much. She always has us laughing. I'm so proud of Trey. The last time you came, dad wanted to know how you come. You didn't stay long enough to see him too. Now that El Jean and Wilma are back together, I wish they could move from San Antonio. Barbara needs both of her parents. They've both been through so much. I hope it works out. I love them both. Wilma wrote me a letter telling me she loves El Jean very much and she must, she went back to him and I'm sure she has been hurt deeply. I want to see all my children happy. I've remembered a lot when you said, Bill, I'm a prisoner here and the kids are too. I know when I get out, I might need help, 
dad has had me like a prisoner. That freedom might be hard for me to take, yet I know it would be great. Having my children visit me anytime, having a telephone, going shopping if I want, going to church. Every time I think of freedom, I want out as soon as possible. I don't want to put any burden on my children. I think it's best while or before I get out too old. I want out, but it's the beginning. Once I get a job in place, then I can handle it with the mental support of my children. I can do it. It was hard to talk in front of Elgin. He had been having it so hard and his problems were deeply in my mind. I felt sorry for him. I was so afraid that he might go back and do. You are lucky, Bill. You have a very good wife. She has led you the right way, and that is towards God. She's very pretty, too. I've always thanked God for sending you a good wife. I'm thankful for Dennis, too. Give my darling Trey a lot of hugs and kisses for me. I love you very much. Barbara gets bored if I take too long to write, so I hope I made sense in this letter. Hope Loretta can mail this Friday or Saturday on her way home. Love you very much, Mom. P.S. You all look so nice when you came. Loretta had a great time. Renata, she talked a lot about it. That was that letter. It's a little confusing the way she read, wrote it and yeah. stuff like that, but you can just tell like she's just talking about how she's a prisoner, right? Like Ron was, Definitely. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, I need to get out. I never had a job before. I need to get a job. I need to get a place. And it's like, it just kind of breaks your heart reading that and and knowing what's going to happen. So just four days after he quit his job, the Sinclair Mini Mart, Ronald just snaps and turns on his family one by one. So 36 years ago this year, actually, Tuesday, December 22nd, 1987. It's so sad, like I was kind of saying after, after hearing that letter. So these are the details of what happened that day. First, Ronald bludgeons his wife, 46-year-old Becky, with a crowbar and then shoots her with a 22 caliber pistol. He then went into his older son, Gene Jr., who was over at the house that day and did the same thing to him, bludgeoned him with a crowbar and then shot him with the same pistol. Then Ronald goes over to his three-year-old granddaughter, Barbara, and strangles her to death. And then he grabs a beer and just sits on the couch. So after drinking this beer, remember those cesspits that Ronald had his children dig? So Ronald carries the bodies of his wife, his son, and his three-year-old granddaughter and just dumps them in there. Remember, this was a Tuesday right before their Christmas break. So Ronald patiently waited for the rest of his children to come home from school that day. Before they came inside, he told them he had gifts for them, but wanted to give them their presents individually. First was 17-year-old Loretta. Ronald strangled her and then held her underwater in a rain barrel. Next was Eddie, then Marianne, and then Becky. They were all killed the exact same way. He then took their bodies and dumped them into one of the cesspits. So we have wife Becky, son Ronald Jr., Gene Jr., uh, granddaughter Barbara, daughter Loretta, son Eddie, and daughters Marianne and Becky all murdered. Holy fuck. By their father and husband and grandfather, pretty much. I know. It's like uh, so wild. So that's seven people that he's killed so far. Of his own family. Ronald has now murdered every person that was living in that house. So the rest of the family, his two last, you know, the two older, or, you know, the oldest children. Not, Gene Jr. was the oldest, but, you know, the second, two second ones. So they have no idea what he's just done, right? Yeah. They don't live there. It is now the midday of the 26th, the day after Christmas, and four days after he murdered his wife, two sons, three of his daughters, and his granddaughter. His last two children are to arrive at his home. When his son Billy, his wife Renata, and their 20-month-old Trey came to the door. They are welcomed in, and then Ronald turns and shoots them, killing them both. Then he takes Trey, strangles, and drowns him to death. 
Next to arrive was his daughter, Sheila, her husband, Dennis, her daughter, Sylvia, that was actually his daughter, and their 20-month-old, Michael. And one by one, he strangles all four of them. I'm just, like, so curious, like, what, how he does it. Yeah, seriously. Like, no one notices it? anything? Yeah. Like, maybe, like, I understand, like, the wife, like, maybe he killed his wife first, son maybe didn't hear whatever, and then, you know, there's only a three-year-old left. And then, like, the other, I mean, and then the kids, he tells them he wants to give them individually, so that kind of makes sense. But this, I was like, husband, wife, two kids, like, I don't know. Did he, like, get one of them in the room, kill them, and then yeah. one by one? I don't know. But I was just like, yeah, he, he did that. <laughs> That's what he That's did. That's crazy. I know. I was reading that. I was like, how the hell did he fucking? <laughs> yeah. So he covers all of their bodies with coats, except for Sheila. He placed her body next to his wife's best tablecloth and wrapped her in them as well, because he was pretty much, I was the one he had a kid with, you know, his yeah. own. Yeah. So it's like, he had some special thing for her. As for his two grandsons, he wrapped them in plastic sheets and placed them in an abandoned car at the end of the street. Weird. I don't know why he did that. <laughs> After all that, Ronald heads over to a local bar to drink a beer before heading back home to his deceased family. 14 of his family members are now dead. And for the next two days, he kind of just hangs out at the home with them in the house. He actually, I think, I believe there was five of them that he left in the house and seven that he ended up burying around the home, like in, you know, in the yard. And yeah, so just two days after he murdered the last of his family members on December 28th, Ronald drove to Walmart to purchase another gun because he had another target in mind. He wasn't done. He's not done. 24-year-old Kathy Kendrick, she rejected him a year prior when they both worked for a nearby trucking firm. Uh, so obviously he has to hurt her, right? Because she doesn't like him. I fucking hate when I like hear things like this. It's like, you were not attracted to me, so I'm going to fucking hurt you or kill you or whatever. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I fucking hate that shit. So anyway, he drives to Russellville where he found Kathy working at a law office. Ronald drives over to the law office, gets out of his car with a gun in hand, walks in the front door where Kathy was sitting at her desk. According to the police and witnesses, Ronald came in and repeatedly fired at her head, killing her instantly. The police were called at 10.17 a.m., but by the time they showed up, Ronald was already gone. And according to Brenda Hefner, no relation to Hugh Hefner. Oh, my God. <laughs> so according to Brenda Hefner, who was a legal secretary, said she was working in the back with one of her colleagues when they suddenly heard a gun. She thought, oh, maybe it was just some kids playing with toys that they like got for Christmas or something. Brenda also said, quote, then all of a sudden we heard two shots and Kathy screamed. He just kept shooting and kept shooting. It was at least six times. I figured he unloaded the gun, unquote. While he was shooting Kathy, Brenda and her coworker hid behind a file like drawer to keep cover. Brenda also stated later, quote, there was blood coming out of her head. It was real dark, real blood. Not like you'd expect to get from a cut. It's not blood like that. It's bright red. It was coming out of the back of her head. She was breathing. She had trouble breathing, but she was breathing. I thought he was going to kill everybody in the room. We didn't know why he was here, unquote. So just 10 minutes later at 1027 a.m., a second call came in saying that there had been a shooting at Taylor Oil Company. Ronald's target this time was 38-year-old Rusty Taylor, the owner of the oil company and the Sinclair Mini Mart, the same Mini Mart that Ronald had quit four days before he went on the murdering spree. Ronald had quit because he felt he wasn't getting paid enough. So Ronald goes into the mini mart shooting Rusty in the chest, although he did survive. But sadly, his coworker, 33-year-old James David, who went by Jim uh, Chafin, was shot and he didn't survive. 
Julie Money had just started working there. Like it was like literally the second hour that she was there on her first day when she heard the gunshots. She thought it was some kind of joke. So not thinking about it, she opened the door leading to where Ronald was when she noticed that Jim was lying on the floor, like was lying on the floor in a pool of blood. This is when Ronald goes up to her and points a 22 revolver straight at her head and still like still from a distance. I mean, she's not like right in front of, you know, her face, but like from a distance and he fires a shot, but like almost at the same time, I mean, she's terrified. She jumps and like, she like feels it graze like her hair. Like she said she could feel the heat of the bullet, like going through her hair. There's like an interview. You can look it up. There's like a little interview clip that she's talking about. It's just like, that's gotta be so terrifying. Like she could have almost died. (laughs) She assumed he thought like he had killed her but she was still alive, but he just took off after that. He assumed that he shot her, you know, so he took off. Three miles away was the mini mart, and that is exactly where Ronald was headed. At 10.39 a.m., another 911 call was placed for a shooting at Sinclair Mini Mart, where Ronald had shot and injured 38-year-old David Saylor and 46-year-old Roberta Woolery. Roberta was the intended target, but police didn't know why. Then at 10.48 a.m., another call about someone being shot at the Woodline motor freight company elaine butts was shot in the head and heart but survived she worked with ronald a year prior with him and kathy the one that he was making advances at but elaine was the one that told him to stop so i'm assuming that's why he was pissed off because <laughs> yeah. nobody likes him <laughs> these girls don't like him after injuring elaine ronald walks into an office and locks the door behind him but inside was a woman on the floor hiding when Ronald put the gun to her head and said, quote, don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you, unquote. Ronald then offered her a chair and cigarettes, which is weird because he didn't do this with anybody else, yeah. you know. He even offered her the other gun, but she refused it. Why he did that, I'm just like, it blows my mind. But she's like, no, I don't want it, you know. So then Ronald puts the gun on a nearby table and tells her to call police. And he says, quote, I've done what I wanted to do. And now it's all over. I've gotten everybody who hurt me. Unquote. <laughs> Who hurt him? Yeah, exactly. What the fuck did yeah. your kids do to you? Ex- right, exactly. Literally. You brought him in the world, you fucking. Yeah. What a piece of shit. I know. I fucking hate this guy. Ugh. Police arrest him and send him off to jail, but shortly after that, they took him to a psychiatric hospital in Little Rock. Ronald had not spoken a word since his arrest, but when one of the sheriffs mentioned his dead family, they did notice like his bottom lip like quivered a little bit. So this guy, I don't know. I know, right? I know. Now he's like, I just killed. I shouldn't have killed my family. Like, get the fuck out of here. Ronald Simmons was found guilty and charged with 16 counts of murder and sentenced to death. On May 31st, 1990, Arkansas governor at the time was Bill Clinton, former president. Um, He signed an execution warrant. And on June 25th, 1990, he died by lethal injection. None of his surviving relatives wanted to claim his body, <laughs> which I don't blame them. I wouldn't either. Fuck that guy. So, like I said, he did keep five of his family members in the home after they were deceased, and seven were buried around the home. And the two little ones were actually found in trunks of two different cars. So, I don't know. Again, why he did that with the two little... I don't know. This guy, I mean, I mean he shouldn't have done it to begin with, yeah. but like, you know... That. I don't know. It's just a, a very heartbreaking story, but that's the story it's of fucking Ronald horrible. What, how many, that's crazy that he killed that many people. Sixteen people, and well, majority of those were his family. Yeah, fourteen of them, I think. Yeah, fourteen. His of own them, you said. family. Yeah, like 
I don't know. I don't know why what turned on him. I'm just like. It sounds like he's always been kind of a piece of shit. Well, yeah. not always, but when he impregnated his daughter. Yeah, exactly. That's where it kind of was like, well, something's wrong with this dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, fucking disgusting. But thanks for listening, everybody. That's the end of this thanks. episode. Until next Monday, stay safe and be away.